You know, I read those SSR files. Greatest generation? You guys did some nasty stuff. Yeah. We compromised. Sometimes in ways that made us not sleep so well. But we did it so that people could be free. This isn't freedom. This is fear. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 50th episode of Every Marvel Movie Ever. I'm your host, Gabe Thomas. With me, as always, is your co-host, Francisco Alcala. 50 episodes. 50 episodes. It's definitely a lot. doesn't feel like 50. Well, 47 movies, because we had two interviews, and then we had our Phase 4 discussion, but 50 episodes, Franny. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, I just, mean, we've been doing this for a while. It so. does blow my mind, though. Like, that is a monumental number that we've somehow reached. Uh, so thank you for everybody who's been listening for 50 episodes. My God, that's like 100 hours of our voice. Um, Two more episodes and there will be technically a full year of content. Full year of content, yeah. Although, you know, it's been a lot longer for us at this point. But today we're talking about Captain America The Winter Soldier, released in 2014, directed by Joe and Anthony Russo, widely regarded as one of the highlights of the MCU. A lot of people say this is one of the best movies that has ever been made by Marvel Studios. Including me. Including you. <laughs> I think that this is a fantastic movie. I do think I've probably seen it too many times, which is my fault. It's not the movie's fault, but I, I think I've just kind of overexposed myself to this movie. But it is still a great movie. Maybe that's why you've overexposed yourself to probably. it. Probably. It's well, too good. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, every time a Marvel movie would come out, and this is fucking insane, but and I probably haven't done this in a very long time, but every time a Marvel movie would come out, I would watch like every single MCU movie the week before, like every single time a Marvel movie came out. Uh, so, so I ended up seeing these movies quite a lot, and plus, I mean, these ones are really easy to to just sit down and watch with people. So I've seen, I think probably from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, maybe Homecoming is the last one I've seen a ridiculous amount of times. I've probably seen all of these way too many times, even like Thor: The Dark World and Iron Man Two. I've seen those movies a lot, but this is still like a fucking great movie and how lucky are marvel studios that after they made what's considered to be their worst movie <laughs> they just they happen to make their, the best one their best one yeah i know it's they're they really lucked out because thanks that, russo brothers thanks russo brothers. yeah that could have been really really bad and you know the russo brothers were pretty foreign to this kind of thing because they were mostly known for directing episodes of community i think arrested development that might not be right but i i think they worked on that show also the only movie they'd done was You, Me, and Dupree, which is like a romantic comedy with, I think, like Owen Wilson <laughs> from like 2007. That sounds about right. Does it? For these like action directors, like they come on and they're just in these incredible action directors who can balance all these action sequences on top of characters and this huge universe. And they don't, like, I don't know. Like, I know when this movie came out, Anthony Mackie called it like Avengers 1.5, which, I mean, I think now. That's like that would make Civil War like Avengers two point ninety five or something because yeah. it's like well you know I mean there's three Avengers in this technically and Sam Wilson's not even an Avenger yet but I I don't know I think it's funny that when this came out they're like we have three superheroes in this and it's like just just wait a couple just, more years just wait a couple years and then we have, have fifty heroes 50 in heroes one movie in one movie exactly the most ambitious crossover of all time. <laughs> Well, how was this for you watching again? Because it's probably, I mean, how long has it been since the last time you saw this? I think I have seen it maybe twice. One of those times was when it first came out. And then the other time was kind of just like random. Like it was on TV, so I watched it. Right. So it's definitely been a while since I've seen it. 
it's somehow better than I remembered, but I remembered this movie like being very good. Right. So yeah. yeah. No, I I mean, and I don't want to sound negative about this at all. I think that this is probably one of the. Be- I don't think it's one of my favorites, but it's definitely one of the best. If that makes sense, you know, like I think objectively, this is one of the. Strongest it's an objectively movies. good movie. <laughs> yeah, it's an objectively incredible, incredible movie. I mean, on action sequences alone, and I will say, I don't like the Bourne identity, but this is the best thing that the Bourne identity is responsible for. We always talk about how The Dark Knight is like a great movie that inspired a lot of bad trends. I think the Bourne identity is a bad movie that inspired a lot of bad trends, but this is like, because the good thing it did was it kind of brought back like lofty espionage movies from the 70s, which is probably cemented in this with like Robert Redford being in it because he was in a ton of a ton of those movies you know like all the president's men and three days of the condor and all those movies were like like political thrillers from the 70s and this kind of feels like that you know tons of double crosses tons of of spy stuff and i think that this is probably the best modern example of that and probably why it's so well loved is because it's a lot smarter you know and i'm not saying those movies all these movies are really well crafted from a story perspective other than maybe throw the dark world but as a you know as a movie that that still makes sense but i think that this has so many more layers you know it has infiltration the bad guy the nazis have invaded spoilers the nazis have invaded the good guys you know like it's i i think that it's pretty great that we get to have that in a superhero movie i feel like this movie can kind of stand on its own for the most part like i a lot of the MCU movies you kind of have to watch all the ones before but this one they don't make too many references to other stuff so I mean this this is like kind of a standalone Captain America movie doesn't involve too many other people I think you would probably need to at least see the first Captain America because you need to know that he's been out of time for 70 years that's I mean they they make it pretty clear early on I guess so I guess you could watch this all on its own i think that you could watch this right because we always 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 talk about this about how can you watch these movies as their own trilogy i think you could at least watch this right after first avenger and pretty much fill in the blanks yeah i don't know about civil war right after this no, one no, but no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah know, that movie is like it's like half about avengers and age of ultron so you can't really you know it's sokovia and new york so you can't you can't really do that but you could definitely watch this in first avenger and probably make enough sense of it and just you know i don't really give a fuck about these statistics but i think the budget was around 170 million and this ended up making over 700 million so this was a very successful one this is the point where like the budget and how much money they made starts to just not really matter anymore right because we know these movies made a lot of money and yeah, the budget yeah, is course. really big. so like... Exactly, yeah. And, uh, because, you know, they can spend literally as much money as they want. And, and they'll get it back. Always make it back, exactly. Plus more. You They'll know, double it Times somehow. five, yeah, exactly. This is definitely the movie. Because, I, th- I mean, Captain America now is universally the best Avenger. I don't think that there's any really... There's no real question about that. Maybe you can say, oh, you know, I like the Hulk. And I like all of them. But I think Captain America is widely agreed to be the best Avenger, and I don't think that was until this movie. I think it's argued between Captain America and Iron Man. But sure. I, it's like, but Iron it's... Man's such an asshole. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. I know he sacrificed himself for the but entire people, universe. people like him because of that. <laughs> I know. And I love Tony Stark. But... I think it's a, little, it's a little more agreed that Captain America is the best one. 
but there's definitely a lot of people that argue that Iron Man is better. <laughs> right, I know. Okay, well, maybe I should rephrase that. I think this is the movie that cemented Captain America as one of the great film superheroes. I think, you know, That's obviously... a little better. <laughs> first of, I mean, I prefer First Avenger. I don't think it's a better movie, but that movie just means a lot to me. But I think that, you know, people like that movie, and then people liked him in The Avengers, but, you know, there's so many moving parts to that, and that probably is more of Tony Stark's movie if you have to put it on one person. But this is the one that kind of showed Captain America can be fucking awesome, and beyond just he has a shield that he can throw at people. Like, oh... He's like a real superhero. And I don't even know how much of a superhero movie this is. This is This is definitely more of a spy movie. I than would anything say else. that this is probably one of the best comic book movies, but I don't think I would say it's one of the best superhero movies. Even though I think that Captain America himself, Chris Evans, I think this is some of his best work as the character. Definitely. He's I mean, he's my favorite Avenger, you know. Like, Mine too. He's just, he's just <laughs> fantastic to watch. He's so good. He's more human than human, you know. Like he's just so He's just out there to do good. This is really the start of his real rousing speeches. Like, he has that speech uh, to everybody in S.H.I.E.L.D. that's like, hey, everyone's Nazis, so don't fucking do anything. You know, like, stand up to these guys. Everyone that you're working with is a Nazi. If you launch those helicarriers today, Hydra will be able to kill anyone that stands in their way. Unless we stop them. And I know I'm asking a lot. The price of freedom is high. It always has been. It's a price I'm willing to pay. Get rid of them. Yeah, this is also the beginning of Captain America being like, you know what? Fuck the government. <laughs> right, well... <laughs> That's like his entire character at <laughs> this point. Natasha leaks everybody's files everywhere. Like, because she needs people to know that Hydra's shield. But, you know, like, Robert Redford is like, hey, you know all your secrets are gonna come out too, right? And she's like, yeah, whatever. I don't fucking care because I need this to be out there. And that's kind of like her heroic sacrifice in it. Steve Rogers' main heroic sacrifice is laying his best friend punch him in the face <laughs> until he almost dies. He, this is something that always bugged me, and I think it's easy to explain, but it's never really explained at the end of this movie. And I know I'm jumping right to the end when we're at the like 11-minute mark. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're jumping around. Everyone's seen this movie. But, you know, at the end, he's fighting Bucky on the helicarrier, and he drops his shield into the like Atlantic Oh, Ocean. how does he get it back? How does he get it back? Ridiculous. I mean, I'm sure that there's deep, deep salvage crews or whatever you call them to find it, but like, yeah, they never mention it. It's, I don't know. Maybe it's they like, do in a comic. It's the same thing as like when, like in Avengers, when like all of New York just gets flattened and then it's just like it's just fixed, fine it's after. Fixed, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, right. I guess so. It just he needs to have his shield back somehow, it. and there's they, no point of explaining well, it. Yeah, I mean the New York thing, you know. <laughs> they, they're like, okay, we'll fix this five years later in Homecoming, or eight years later, or <laughs> whatever the fuck it's. We'll just wait like ten years and then we'll start fixing it again. It's yeah. Fine. Okay. Yeah. Actually, no. Now that you mention ten years, just that's such a ten year slink. But I just remembered there is a line that Natasha has in this movie. If it was the other way around, and it was down to me to save your life, and you be honest with me. Would you trust me to do it? Would you trust me to sacrifice my life for yours? Which ends up happening. Yeah. That's something no one... I never hear anybody bring that up. That that's like a moment of... Because, you know, when people talk about moments of foreshadowing, they talk about the speech in Iron Man when he's like, you know, I want to protect the people I put in harm's way or whatever. Or they talk about the argument between Steve Rogers and Tony Stark and the Avengers. But nobody talks about that. 
how Natasha's like, do you, would you trust me to sacrifice myself? And I think this is the same writers and directors as Endgame. So I don't know. I just, I never, I don't think I ever put that together because I don't think, I think I've watched this since Endgame has come out. I think it's more of just like, you don't really think about that line until you see her sacrificing herself for Captain America. Right, Like, right. you just don't really think about it until it actually happens. No, exa- well, exactly. I mean, there's there's no way to know, but I just think that, you know, in a, in a world where we have seen Endgame and we've had so much time to think about it, it's it's really interesting that people don't really think about that line. You know, everybody talks about Tony Stark's sacrifice. They don't really talk about Natasha Romanoff's sacrifice. And her hair in this movie... She's a beautiful woman, but her hair in this movie is weird. <laughs> you know, like we talked. I think we, it's fine. We made fun of it so much, though. At this point, I feel like we just have to bring it up. Uh, it's it's her worst hair, I think. Maybe I don't uh, think it's that bad. Uh, Infinity War hair is starting to. Infinity War hair, like I do not like at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the weird like Karen like Bob. <laughs> oh yeah, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I mean, you know. Who are we to talk about? Her yeah, hair? no. It's just I think it's just been a running joke on this show, and I just wanted to bring it up. Of course, we got to talk about not it. Best hair. Oh, there's another line that I feel like nobody talks about. Stephen Strange gets a name drop in this. Oh yeah, that he's somehow a threat to Hydra, even though he's he's just, just a surgeon. He's just a right surgeon now. at he's this point. Surgeon. So yeah, I know. I know. Well, I remember <laughs> in the theater because I was there opening night or opening weekend, or whatever. I was you know ten years old. Um, God, this movie's old. This movie's like. <laughs> these are all Six, very old movies old. wow but yeah no i remember sitting there and he says oh you know tony stark stephen strange anyone who's a threat to hydra or threat to shield or whatever and i was like <laughs> like i was like dad dad and dad was like i know and then <laughs> like, they the take fuck? like four years to ever mention him ever two again years, two years is it yeah 2016 like lo- dr strange yeah okay i thought it was like a lot further well, there's I thought that was a like lot there's a lot in between you know there's like mm-hmm. five movies in between this and dr strange or yeah, like four movies. I don't know. What there's a lot of movies in between. Either way, it's just very Still, weird that they name drop him as a threat, even though he's just a surgeon at this point. Make any sense. <laughs> you no, know, that's a, honestly pretty bad <laughs> when you think about it. I'm sure Disney's tried to explain it. You know, I'm sure they've been like, Well, actually Doctor Strange takes place in nineteen ninety five or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sure they did some some of that where the Russo takes brothers place, just answer questions. It takes place at the same time as Avengers. <laughs> yeah, no, it probably takes place in Victorian London. <laughs> it takes place two hundred years ago. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. A piece of foreshadowing. And I don't even know if this is foreshadowing, but this movie's like, hey, we had somebody kill Howard and Maria Stark. Hmm, you know, like in the in the uh, Zola thing, yeah. it shows Howard Stark, and it's like, like on the list of people that Hydra had killed and like shown as accidents or whatever. People that they <laughs> um, And I, you know, Howard Stark is there, and of course that becomes such a major plot point in Civil War. It's like the entire Bucky plot of Civil War. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the last 30 minutes of Civil War. That's that's crazy, right? Because I know when Civil War came out, everybody was like, why do I feel like I knew that Bucky killed Howard and Maria Stark? Because there's like that, you know, you hear it, and Cap's like, oh yeah, I, I knew, but I didn't know it was him. And it's kind of like, the audience in a weird way feels like, wait a minute, don't didn't we have that information? Like, it's never stated, but you see Howard Stark, and it's like, implied? There's still, like... It's kind of obvious that it was Bucky, considering that I feel like they wouldn't just let it be like a Hydra assassin killed them. You know, I I didn't know that it was gonna it was gonna come back in Civil War until it did. Like that when I yeah. saw that in Winter Soldier, I was like, oh, that's shocking that they didn't die in a car crash. I mean, you know, they did, but they didn't. 
But I never thought, okay, well, one day we'll see that. You know, one day we'll see that and it'll be Bucky. I was just like, that's, yeah. that's a shocking thing on its own. But then they add that layer, which is nice that the Russos have done so many of these movies. I mean, say whatever you want about their visual style. Uh, the visual style they brought to these, which we will talk about. We will talk about the cinematography uh, eventually. But, um, you know, I think that them making so many of these movies now, and I think all the movies they've made have been written by by the same writers, Chris Marcus and Stephen McFeely, but it's just interesting that they can have these things come back. You know, because they think... did Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame, like the some of the biggest movies, you know, after this. I think it's just good that they kept getting the same people because it makes it so much easier to keep, like, consistency because you wrote it. Right, exactly. So, like, getting different writers... They probably don't know everything that, like, the exact same writers would know. If Civil War was written by different people, then who knows if the Howard Stark thing would have even came back, because that's not that big of a deal in this. Exactly, yeah. You know, I know. I know what you mean. Like, it's the really minute details that if it was written by a different person, they probably wouldn't pick up on. Or if they picked up on it, they might forget to follow through with it, or they might just, you know, never even consider it. So I think that that's definitely a really good point is having the same writers. And obviously not all of these movies have the same writers, but I think all the bigger ones do. Sam Wilson is introduced in this, Anthony Mackie, and he's really charismatic and fun. I also like that now that him and Bucky are like best friends, in this they are trying to kill each other yep. hardcore. This is still a very violent movie. Bucky <laughs> like, this literally... is one of the most violent ones. It's so, okay. Because it's gritty. <laughs> But it's not gritty in the way that, like, The Dark Knight is. It's just, like, you know, there's still quips and jokes and fun moments, but also people are trying to actually kill each other. Let's talk about that scene on the boat in the beginning. Cap definitely Christ. murdered so many people. Natasha hangs somebody. Yes. <laughs> That's one of the most violent things. That Obviously, you know, not, like, Thanos getting his head cut off or whatever, but it's... It's just, when you think about it, it's like, she fucking hanged yeah. a man until he died. Either that or <laughs> that neck is snapped. Cap definitely kicks somebody, like, halfway across the ship. They definitely yeah, right. have, like, a completely severed spine. Oh, and course. then they fall into the ocean. He's so he definitely drowns. Hitting people in the face with his shield. Yep. The corner, the sharp edge of a vibranium yep. shield. I'm sure there's at least one person that took that shield, like, to the neck. Skulls are being like, shattered. Yeah. Heads are coming off. He, he literally, like, know? he literally slams somebody's head into his knee, like, three times in a row. This is one of the best American action movies of the last ten years, I think. There's been so many incredible foreign action movies, like the Raid movies. I, I would put this up there with, like, John Wick. In the sense that it's, like, these movies, the stunt choreography is fucking great. Sam Hargrave, of course, our friend, mm -hmm. <laughs> our, our mutual contact, Sam Hargrave, worked on this movie a lot. There's a lot of moments when I was like, is that Sam Hargrave? Like, <laughs> I was trying to see the face. I was like, well, that's probably him, right? There, I think there is one moment where you can tell that it's not Bucky. Like that, you can kind like the hair is kind of wrong, and it's the part when when he's attacking Sam and Cap and Natasha in the car. You know, when he throws Sitwell into a yeah. truck, <laughs> when he throws him in front of a truck. Jesus Christ! You know, he rips out the steering wheel, and then there's like a moment where I'm like, "Your hair's too short. <laughs> you <laughs> fucked up." He's wearing the face mask, so you can't yeah. really tell. Because I'm pretty sure, you know, since he was wearing the mask, they're like, no one's going to notice. We don't need to digitally replace that or whatever. I just think it's funny that in such a big movie, there was a moment where it's like, I don't know if that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's right. Speaking of the mask, two things. One, 
there's one scene that it's very obvious who the Winter Soldier is when he's like sitting at that table. He's in like a dark room or whatever. He's not wearing the mask, but it's very obvious. Yeah, yeah, it's very obvious that that's Sebastian Stan. Once it's like revealed that it's Bucky to Cap, he just stops wearing the mask. Yeah, which doesn't true. make sense because no, it doesn't it does matter to him. <laughs> I really like the mask. <laughs> I do you know, too. I think it's really good. I don't know how I feel about the goggles, but I just the mask cool. I think is pretty he, cool. He does look a little bit like the new Goblin when he's wearing yeah. both of them. The the goggles look a little ridiculous, little but ridiculous. just the mask I definitely like. Even though the eyeshadow is a little much too. No, no, no. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's good. Okay. The, the, <laughs> I, the I, smoky I eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got to look his best for Steve. <laughs> you know, if you're fighting Captain America. I wish that I could have seen this movie in a world where I didn't already know it was Bucky because I mean I I always knew that just because I, I was I've always been into the comics so that's just like a thing. Yeah, I there had could only be head. one person it was anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, if I didn't know who it was, maybe it'd be a little more mysterious. No, yeah, they don't make it super obvious other than no, that one scene. No, but... I don't think so. I mean, I think in hindsight, knowing it's probably more obvious now that we know. I don't know how obvious it would be if we didn't know. Because, like, did you know it was Bucky before you saw this? No. I think it's a thing where it's, like, in rewatch, it's like, okay, well, that's obviously him. And we've seen him so much more now. Because I wasn't as familiar with that actor because he'd only been in... In the first first Avenger, he wasn't in. He wasn't in it that much. So I guess I wouldn't be able to recognize him. And that was, like, a year or two before this, right? Three years before it, yeah. Uh, Then, yeah. I think most people definitely would have completely forgotten about him then. right i think he's a much he's a much more recognizable bigger actor now but all the bucky stuff is really well handled i think i and it's pretty heartbreaking it sucks because we do have that prior knowledge of cap and bucky and they're like you know they're so close and now it's like bucky's been just brainwashed for years and years and kept on ice and he's had this really rough rough time and he's been killing people and he doesn't you know like none of it's his fault he's just doing what people are telling him to do and then there's those scenes where he like starts being like oh you are steve like especially towards the end it's like he remembers but this is his mission like he says and he has to finish it this has and this is something i i kind of forgotten about this does have the skinny steve rogers again you see him twice you see him in the flashback with bucky and you see him when they recreate the uh army scene when they're in from the first avenger when they're running for the flag but it looks much better in this because I know that yeah, was one definitely. of our complaints with First Avengers. Like that effect doesn't totally hold up, but it looks a lot, lot better in this movie. I think when you see it, maybe it's because we don't see it as much, and he's wearing a shirt. But, <laughs> but he, he does look a lot. It looks a lot better. Peggy is is the first person in these movies to have some sort of aging process done to them, which is something that is now going to happen forever, pretty yeah. much. I mean, even in this, it doesn't look that bad though. No, it looks great. And this is a rare case where they age them up. Instead, I think probably Steve at the end of Endgame is maybe the only other time they've aged someone up, right? Because usually they're, they're yeah, it's usually aging. aging people down. Yeah, but I, it looks really great. For I feel like aging attempt. people up is a lot easier than aging people down. I mean, I'm sure it's still fucking really oh, hard. I'm well, sure yeah. it's hours and hours and hours of work. Of course, but there's definitely a lot of work that went into it. So mm-hmm. good job to all the people that worked on that because oh, it looks great. It's, yeah, I mean, all the the effects in this are phenomenal. I think they did try to go more practical with this, though. You know, other than like the helicarriers and stuff there isn't too much where it's like people aren't really flying around other than falcon but he's he's not 
he's not using a hammer or whatever. It's like a yeah. lot more ground. It's not an over reliance on like CG or anything. There are definitely CG elements because it's a superhero movie, so of course there are. Right. But <laughs> it's a lot less than it usually would be. And that Peggy scene is just fucking heartbreaking and really mm-hmm. hard to talk about when he realizes that, oh, she has Alzheimer's. This whole conversation, she's just forgotten again. She's yep. going to forget as soon as I leave. And it's like, no, no, Steve. If only you could go back in time and be with her forever. Oh. Oh. And I for I had almost forgotten until, you know, he's in the Smithsonian and he looks at the picture of Peggy and I'm like, this is going to cut to that fucking scene. I don't want to <laughs> watch that. It's horrible. It's so sad. But it's such it's such a well-done moment. This is also the best that Nick Fury's ever been. I think this is the best he's ever been, never will be. He yeah. only has like two or technically three appearances after this. And they're all pretty minor stuff. Right. I mean, other than Captain Marvel when he's, yeah. he's in it all the time. That is not a fucking cat scratch, by the way. Absolutely not. I was not. wondering if they would have digitally changed it because I, I mean they wouldn't have on the version you watched oh, just yeah. the DVD. But I was watching on Disney Plus. But anyway, I was wondering if they would digitally change his change it to make it look more they like didn't. a cat scratch. They didn't, which makes it fucking terrible. You know, it's what else? terrible either way because that's well. That was such a cool moment when I like when I first saw it. You know. Yep. And then Captain Marvel. <laughs> I know. Fuck Without it. Captain Marvel, it's still really cool. It's still but... really cool, but now we live in a world where I'm like, the fucking cat did that. Yeah. That has it has one of the best Nick Fury lines earlier in the movie when he's like, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. And I just said out loud, I was like, it was a fucking cat. Like, you didn't trust a cat. You picked up a cat on a spaceship and it scratched your eye. <sighs> we'll get to Captain Marvel we'll eventually. Get to Captain Marvel. <laughs> All the other Nick Fury stuff is so great, though. He yep. gets his action sequence with the gun in the car, which is really exciting. You know, because first he sees the cops, and it's like a racial profiling thing. He's just like, you want to see my license or whatever? Yeah. And then eventually, the cops are fucking killing him, because it's like, those aren't cops, those are Nazis. That's getting cut out. I just... We all do. Anyway... But yeah, no, then it turns into that that huge action sequence, and he's got the gun in the car, and it's just, it's fucking it's great. It's so, it's so good. It leads to one of the dumbest things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe when he takes the lightsaber out, like Mace Windu would, and he cuts the hole. Oh, yep. And if I timed it. It's seven seconds, and he's gone. Seven seconds, and you see how far he's gone. Oh, yeah, he he's like at the center of the earth right, like immediately. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so it must have been like a sewer grate or something, you know? Like, he must have landed on top of a sewer grate and just cut through the roof of the car. <laughs> but he didn't, because he clearly didn't, and it's just bad. It's just a bad moment in, in a great movie. It's they so they really stupid. tried to convince everyone that they killed Nick Fury in this movie. Yeah, well, that isn't even the time when they do it. Because after that, he goes to Cat's yep. apartment, and, and then, then gets shot. they gets fake sniped. out. Yeah. Luckily, he had that one beat a minute heart thing yep. when he was getting surgery. Thanks, Bruce, Bruce Banner. Banner. <laughs> name drop. Name drop. <laughs> That's okay. There's only, like, two real name drops in this, you know? Yeah. There's just that, and then the, uh, the fucking Tony Stark about the repulsors on the repulsor technology on the helicarriers. All this dumb nerd shit, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, now they've been retrofitted with the repulsors from Tony Stark. Remember your friend Tony Stark from the... Yeah, it's like, we remember, we were there. It's like, we got it. <laughs> we saw the movie. Um, <laughs> it's okay, though. Uh, but yeah, no, it's pretty fucking dumb that he has the one beat per minute thing. They should have just made it a life model decoy, like in the comics. Anytime Nick Fury dies, it was just a robot, <laughs> which isn't better, but... 
Yeah, but to be fair, comic books exa- gotta love them. You know, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> to be fair, him one having a lightsaber to cut a hole in the bottom of the of the car or the top of the car, um, and having the one beat per minute thing. It's like that's so comic booky. Like that would absolutely happen in a comic book. So whatever, I guess. One one of the biggest aspects of comic books is comic book bullshit <laughs> that just has to happen to progress the story. I also love his speech about how like. His grand, his grandpa was like a he manned an elevator. People like were trying to mug him or whatever, and he so then the, he kept he, a gun, he kept on, a gun him. on him. And he's like, "This is a bit bigger than a forty-four. He's got three huge. <laughs> uh, bump the mic, sorry. Three huge helicarriers, and they have that incredible speech, which is kind of the thesis of Captain America's character in the movie. Where he's like, "This isn't freedom. This is fear. Like you this are entire character for like the entire MCU. Like from right, now exactly. on. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the the whole thing is he was in the forties. And now he is absolutely not. In the 40s, things were a lot more black and white. You know, it's the good guys are the good guys and the bad guys are Nazis. <laughs> like, the bad guys are as evil as they could possibly be. The bad guys are cartoonishly bad. Exactly. So the good guys have to be cartoonishly good. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like there is there is two complete sides. It is just half. You know, and now it's just there are no good down people. The <laughs> well, now it's like, who do you trust? Yeah. You know, now it's okay, well, the good guys are manipulating people. The bad guys are Are terrible. also pretending to be the good guys. Exactly. So it's like, <laughs> what's Captain America? You know, the, the really interesting thing about this movie, to me, isn't the interesting thing about Captain America himself isn't just that, oh my god, it's 2014 and he uses BuzzFeed or <laughs> whatever. He's at the Apple store and he needs to watch Star Wars. It's like, I don't give a fuck about any of that. Even what though I, I do about, like the list at the beginning of the yeah, movie. It's, that's it's really, cute. That's, yeah, it's cute. Um, even though Nick Fury's in Star Wars and it's in Star Wars, it's confusing. Yeah, whatever, I, I've whatever. always conceded that the prequels don't exist in the MCU and that's just how it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> uh, but whatever. That's not the interesting thing about him being in the future. The interesting thing is things used to be so cut and dry and now he's just everything's confusing because it's, it's completely accurate to the like political situations you know it's things are not easy anymore things are so complicated and seeing captain america have to deal with that is just incredibly interesting and one of the strengths of this movie i think that's what makes the espionage so interesting it's like he was not bred for this world he was bred for a very yeah. different time and captain america is kind of like known as like the goody two-shoes character he's like the superman of marvel right Even so he murders so many people absolutely but generally as a character he's just always do the right thing and all that but now he doesn't know what the right thing is exactly exactly <laughs> so like how can he do the one thing he's known for right well that's that's the superhero element of it you know yeah is he's just trying to figure out what the right thing is and he's he doesn't really know what it is but he's just trying his best and that's that's why I think this movie's great. Obviously, the action's great, the characterizations are great, but the characterization of Captain America himself is what makes this movie for me. The characters uh, are definitely the best part of it. Close second is the hand-to-hand fight choreography. Right. Because that, that shit is incredible. Knife fight <laughs> is great. I know that, you know, Sebastian Stan was just practicing that, like, 24-7 with that knife. Like, I think any time that he wasn't in a scene, he was just on set practicing with that. And It's he, complicated. It, you know, it came across. Like, yeah. you can tell that that must have taken forever to learn, but he nails it. Like, that is such an exciting Even scene. Even that fight in the beginning, too, that one-on-one with, uh, oh, Batrock? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which, you know, it's nice to see a comic book character, even though 
in the comics, that guy's like a joke. Like he wears like a frog costume, <laughs> just around <laughs> that truck, the Leaper, and he's just so like he's such a cartoon. <laughs> but uh, I mean, not always. I'm sure there's an Ultimate Edition where he's fucking Nazi or terrorist yeah. or whatever. But in this, he's, he's a French just a, pirate. A French pirate, and it's great. That infiltration scene is one of the best. Mm-hmm. This has so many of the best action sequences. I like we talked about the car. I love when Steve's running through the building after Nick Fury's gotten shot and then he throws the shield at Winter Soldier and he catches it like that. This movie has probably at least 3 of the shots I think about when I think about the MCU and one of them is definitely that. Mm-hmm. And one of them is is probably uh Steve and Sam running across the helicarrier just talking about how do we know the good guys from the bad guys? I always think about that. And then just all this all the stuff at the end on that helicarrier with the Steve Buck fight is like really emotionally intense you know like it's really there's a lot of stakes beyond just these guys are punching on you know (laughs) which i mean it's okay to have these scenes where natasha's just hanging people but also it's nice (laughs) to be like okay well i'm invested in this on a different level it's it's nice to have a superhero movie where it's not just punch punch explosion (laughs) that's what they should rename all the other superhero movies punch punch explosion what do you think of the i love the World War II suit that he gets at the end, but what do you think of the dark blue Secret War suit that he has? I like it. I think it's one of my favorites. Really? Yeah, okay. I really like. I really like the suit Fair from enough. this movie. I think it's. I mean, it's one of the most different, but I prefer the more classic Captain America suits. I think that the one that he wears at the end of this movie and probably the one in Endgame are my two favorites. You know, like the really scaly one. That yeah. He has. I think those two probably because they're just the most comic accurate. But I do appreciate this as like a stealth suit. It definitely fits with this movie specifically. I don't know if this would be a good Captain America suit in general, but specifically because it's in this movie, I think that kind of makes it a little better. I know. I, I agree completely because it is a darker suit for a darker movie and obviously has a completely different purpose. Uh, but you know, I'm glad this didn't become the mainstay. It's yeah. like it's a good like one story suit, I think, to have, which is always nice when like, you know, when something has like a distinct suit. Like I know we make fun of the Amazing Spider-Man, but that is a, like that's a memorable suit. You know, whatever you think about it, even though it's wet and weird, it is. Yeah, different. it's it's a suit. It's a suit. <laughs> it's, exactly, <laughs> it's something different. I really, I still, I know it won't happen now. Maybe in the next game, but I would really like those Amazing Spider-Man suits to be in that game, in the PS4 game. I want. They're not going to have it in Miles Morales. Because they're the only movie suits that aren't in the game. Every Tom they, Holland suit. They literally the added the, the Sam Raimi suit the like Spider, a year after the Spider-Verse suit yeah. in the game. You know, like it's like all of these. Every single one that isn't the Garfield suits are in the game. And they can put the Raimi ones in. They can put the fucking Garfield ones in. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit is still my favorite on-screen suit, I think. Tom Holland suits are nice, but I prefer the... I love the, you know, big white eyes. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's just so, you know, aesthetically pleasing. So Spider-Man. In two weeks, we get to talk about that movie, Franny. Next, yep, next episode I'm of the show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Oh, it. I can't wait. It's so funny. That movie's like two and a half hours long. Oh, so... God. <laughs> Do you remember how much is in that movie? There's so much. I, I remember there's definitely a lot. It goes on <laughs> forever. Yeah. Oh, I'm really excited to talk about that one. Are we ready to do listener stuff? Yeah, I think we've kind of gone through everything. We've got quite a bit of, of lengthy listener stuff. I don't know if we want to read it all. We'll, we'll see how we feel. Michael Tanner says, Casting Robert Redford was a fantastic choice. If he wouldn't do it, they would they would have really needed to get someone like du- Dustin Hoffman or Michael Douglas. Shame we'd lose his Hank Pym. Or even someone like, oddly enough, Thanos' dad, James Brolin, to hit that 70s political thriller vibe. Yeah, that's like what we talked about at the start. You know, Robert Redford was in a lot of lofty 70s espionage spy thriller movies. 
And I think that either of those would be a good choice. Oh, also, basically, in, in the 60s, Robert Redford and Paul Newman were, like, basically, like, the pair for, for these movies, you know, like, The Sting and Butch Cassidy and stuff. Um, and there is a bit in this movie when he opens the fridge and then it's got Newman's ranch dressing or whatever because <laughs> Paul Newman, like, inspired that line of, like, condiments <laughs> for some reason. But it's a nice little thing that he opens it and then it's got the... I think that's that's cute. As I mean, usual... Marvel yeah. is just doing their thing with the perfect casting. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, and I like, you know, Alexander Pierce isn't one of my favorite villains, but having Robert Redford in that kind of role is, it's it's really cool to see him. And I do love that scene where he's talking with Nick Fury and he's like, you have to make Iron Man show up to my kid's birthday party for yeah. me to do, do this for you. That's a fun, like, little name drop there. Uh, Noah says, what else can be said? Well, not my favorite. It's truly gosh darn good. My feelings have wavered on it over the years, from loving it, then to thinking it was overblown, not actually that good. But upon multiple rewatches, I can't say anything other than this is a stellar Marvel flick and the first true sign of the greatness that was yet to come. Sure, it has some stupid shit in it. Fury's faster than light escape with the lightsaber cutty thingy in the car is the (laughs) stupidest thing in the MCU, and you can't convince me otherwise. But the movie as a whole is an incredibly emotional and wonderfully paced thriller that really did change the game for the MCU. I just wish it wasn't so ugly, because by golly, this is an ugly-looking movie. But that's okay. It can get a pass due to its thematic strengths. So, we have always talked about how the cinematography in these movies is about to get rough. It's not as bad in this as it's going to be. It's not distractingly bad. No. I was prepared for this to look a lot worse than it does. There are some legitimately nice shots in this movie. I think so far it might be the worst looking one aesthetically, but I don't think this is as bad as, as like Civil War looks or like Doctor Strange. I think these are about to look a lot worse. Um, that's not yeah, a comment it, on it, the movies themselves. It'll definitely, the camera work will s- slip a little. <laughs> right. I mean, but this is definitely the sign for things to come. I, I don't think that this is that ugly of a movie, but I think that they are about to get bad looking. <laughs> pretty much Luckily, to me i don't think it really takes away from it that much sure like i don't really care a whole lot about like cinematography I know like you it's don't. fine but i do <laughs> I, so I know you do be, you know personally it doesn't bother me. right exactly but i think we're very different <laughs> definitely <laughs> in, that, in that respect <laughs> but yeah no i see what noah's saying this is definitely foreshadowing luckily the next mcu movie is guardians of the galaxy which is a really good looking movie it's a very pretty um, movie <laughs> And then things start to get worse after that. <laughs> but that's okay. Here we go, Paul. Oh, also, we have t-shirts now. I forgot to mention. Paul did our t-shirts. Same guy who does our cover art. I'll leave a link to that in the description if you want to help out. Oh, and I know we're not big Doctor Who fans here, but Paul does have a new podcast called The Shabocast. And I'm just I'm going to leave a link to that below. So if anybody wants to check out Paul's new podcast, it's there. Uh, anyway, uh, Paul says, it's a good film, but I barely remember it. I wouldn't say it's the best like everyone else does, though, but I hate the Where the Avengers complaint, and I hate the Doctor Strange reference. (laughs) Everyone is good in it, and everything is good, and everything is cool, basically, (laughs) which is a pretty succinct... I haven't seen it for a few years, maybe since Civil War. The ending with Bucky and Cap always gets me, though. Uh, Like we talked about, Doctor Strange reference is dumb and doesn't make any sense. It was fine at the time, but then it became dumb, just like the Nick Fury stuff. Uh, Sometimes these movies are a victim of the later movies, because they're all so tightly connected. There are some things that retroactively become very terrible. <laughs> right, yeah. I think what he says about the where are the Avengers complaint, whenever there's a movie like this that has like, oh, everyone's gonna die, people are like, why don't the Avengers just show up? Whatever. I don't give a fuck. This isn't an Avengers story. I don't care. You know, <laughs> There's enough of them. Yeah. Would Like in this movie, would the other Avengers even know? 
are any of the other Avengers that close to S.H.I.E.L.D.? Tony Stark probably is, but I don't think you that think he's... you would care? <laughs> yeah, well, he's not in Washington, D.C., is he? Mm-hmm. Like, he's not... This isn't his problem right now. Yeah. And also... He's kind isn't... of dealing with his own problems at the moment. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> this takes place over the course of, like, three days. You yeah. Know? Like, there's not a lot of time for people to... I know Hawkeye was supposed to be in this movie. He's supposed to have, like, a... You know, because he's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent since Captain America's... Ro- the elevator fight. That's a fucking oh, great fight. Oh, shit, Yeah. But I just remember that because, you know, that's S.H.I.E.L.D. trying to take Captain America down because they're also Hydra. And s- since Hawkeye is like a hired gun for S.H.I.E.L.D., he was supposed to have a fight with Captain America. But then he was supposed to be like, Steve, I'm just going to let you get away. <laughs> you know, like he's going to be like, Steve, you're, you're free to go. But I'm just going to pretend I lost you kind of thing, <laughs> you know. And I think that would have been nice to see. But also there's enough superheroes in this movie. Yeah, we, we've definitely got enough people punching each other. We right. don't need We don't need more. <laughs> Verdict is this is a great movie. It's probably one of the technically best in this. Amazing fights, great characterization of Steve Rogers in particular. Uh, most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. <laughs> the ones who do call him the Winter Soldier, which has also become a meme and made me snicker when I was watching it. Because <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I hate this fandom. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MarvelMoviePod. You can email us at MarvelMoviePod.gmail.com. You can find the information for our DC show, every DC movie ever, at DC Movie Pod on Instagram and Twitter, uh, DC Movie Pod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram at FlipDeg. You can find me on Twitter at FlipDeg, but the Unega has a three. Uh, next week will be on our every DC movie ever show, so make sure to check that out. It's going to be on Superman the movie in 1978. And then two weeks we'll be back here to talk about The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I think is Franny's favorite Marvel movie. Yeah, right? You say I love it's it got so the best. Much. You know, the Rhino and Green Goblin are great in it. Absolutely. It's so good to see such Everything comic about accurate it is so good. versions. Uh, it's. I think it's really great that they included electric eels fixing Electra's gap in between his teeth. I was really worried they wouldn't include that moment from the comics. <laughs> it's the perfect length, two and a half hours. It's, two, it's only two and a half hours long. I wish it was longer. They need to release a director's cut that's five hours long. Uh, the director's name is still Mark Webb, uh, which is very funny, and I just can't wait to talk about it. And so incredible. you're not on social media because you're just constantly watching that movie. Why would you need a phone? Exactly. <laughs> you're just always watching All I need movie. is Spider-Man 2. All you need is The Amazing the, Spider-Man uh, The Amazing 2. Spider-Man 2. Oh my god, Sorry. imagine if it was Spider-Man 2. What a, what a wonderful shitty world movie. that would be. All Franny I ever has, need is Amazing Franny's Spider-Man 2. completely flipped because the only movie he's ever seen. I just have to like send him Wikipedia pages for all the other movies, because all he watches is Amazing I'm not going to look at them. I'm going to be too busy watching Amazing Sorry, Spider-Man 2. Sorry, he's always too. watching. He's watching it right now. <laughs> yeah, we have the entire time we've been recording this episode, I have been watching Amazing Spider-Man 2. He's in front of us right now, and he's watching Amazing Spider-Man 2 on all of them. So at you're different gonna be, points. You're going to be really, exactly, you're going to be really qualified for our next Marvel episode. Yes, it's going right. to be our longest episode. <laughs> I have a lot to say about Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, I can tell, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh we'll it's take... all getting cut out no oh no it is not that's a great bit <laughs> uh all right take care wash your hands yeah uh... take care of yourself <laughs> okay all right we'll see you next week on our dc show bye for as long as i can remember i just wanted to do what was right i guess i'm not quite sure what that is anymore and i thought i could throw myself back in and follow orders serve it's just not